Hey guys, listen up. I know these days when you watch the news, it feels like it's one hit after another and it's all bad news for the economy. Well, let me give you some good news. It's not all that bad when it comes to real estate. Let me explain. You see a year ago, man, real estate was hot, hot, hot. Everybody and their brother was trying to go out and buy another house. What did that mean? It was so competitive that a lot of folks got discouraged. So let me ask you, have you thought about buying a house in the last couple of years, but maybe just couldn't win a bid. I used to hear that all the time. Well, now is the time to buy. Yes. Interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but what that's created is an opportunity for you. A year ago, it wasn't uncommon for there to be more than a dozen offers on a home, many of which were over list. That is not the case today. So if you got discouraged once before about trying to buy a new house, now's the time to take another look. Now, yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but you're not going to overpay for the home, but here's what you will do. You'll stop throwing your money away on rent and now you'll get a greater tax deduction. That's right. You see at the end of the year, you're going to get a statement from your mortgage company that shows how much interest you paid and you get to write all of that interest off. That means you could get a huge tax deduction. You never get that as a renter. Not only that homes are still going up in value. Don't believe the hype. All of the economists believe long-term Real estate always works out. Let me give you an example. Maybe way back when in the housing collapse of 2008, you bought in 2007 and maybe overpaid. Buddy, if you hung in there, that house is worth a whole heck of a lot more now. If you've played in the stock market, you know what I'm talking about. You only lose money when you throw in the towel. Real estate long-term always performs well. So here's my advice to you. Date the rate, marry the house. Find the house that you and your family love long-term because here's what's not long-term these higher rates. I've yet to see a single economist who doesn't agree with me that rates are going to return. So doesn't it make sense to get the house you want right now? And then when rates improve, man, just get a lower monthly payment. In the meantime, you'll enjoy a greater tax deduction and that property is going to continue to appreciate, meaning you're building equity and wealth for yourself. Not only that, how about this? We're going to save you some cash at buywithconrad.com. We're going to give you the peace of mind of a seven-year guarantee. When rates improve over the next seven years, not if, but when, that's my prediction, we'll refinance you again with no new origination points. Think about that. That could save you thousands of dollars and give you the peace of mind of knowing that you got the right house for your family right now. And then when the rates improve, man, get a lower monthly payment. Now, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but you do need to hurry to buywithconrad.com. That's the first step. You tell us how much you want to put down and what you want your monthly payment to be. We get you approved and then you go shopping just like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, if you've thought about buying a house over the last couple of years, but you got discouraged, now's the time to take another look. Let me run the numbers for you right now. You'll be glad you did at buywithconrad.com. Wu Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Wu Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Wu Wings, legendary flavors, world championship wings. Woo! Wu Wings. Yeah! Woo-woo! 
symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. This is Kurt Angle, and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, the fans are able to ask Kurt anything. That's right, I'm going to answer all your questions. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Kurt, I'm doing really good. Uh, you and I were talking. I think these are my favorite episodes to do with you, and we haven't done one in a while. But It's like going we- freestyle. <laughs> We're freestyling it, baby. And when we get to hear the voice of the fans and they can ask you anything, and then depending on your answers, I might just throw some, some bombs in there too at you. Okay. Yeah. Look at your face. So I love this, but before we get going, I got to talk to you because I got to see you last Sunday at the Steeler game and you you were waving that towel down on the field. I saw you from afar, but what I noticed from afar, and by the way, I got to see Giovanna. I got to see your kids, which were awesome. Uh, We got some pictures together and uh, just had a great time. And I think they should have you back for the rest of the season for the home games because you brought the Steelers a win, bro. I'm the good luck charm. You're the good luck charm. The Buccaneers. That's right. One of the best teams in the NFL. The Steelers did it. They're two and four so far. Yeah, right. As we as we record this. But but man, when you were waving the towel, they showed you on the big screen. You just weren't waving the towel, Kurt. You were (laughs) jumping up and down on those surgically repaired knees. Little three inch hops, <laughs> but I was so pumped up for that because I'm like, Hey, he must not be in, in that much of pain or it must not be affecting him. If he's jumping up and down like that. Well, I was hurting a little bit. I'm not okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I was, I was though excited to see that, uh, you were getting into it like that. How, how are the, we haven't given the fans an update in a, in a little while. How, how you feeling? You, you, you almost at a hundred percent or what? Yeah. I mean, I'm getting there. I have some good days and bad days, but for the most part, it's pretty good. Uh, my, you know, my strength is I'm stronger now than I was before the surgery. Oh. So I, my, my legs make it, made it back. My knees are still healing though. And, and since I've been able to see you, uh, you know, I saw you Sunday and I've seen you a few times on top guy weekend here and there, you are already noticeably walking better than prior to the surgery. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what? I'm actually taller. Yeah, uh, my, yeah. my knees were bent naturally uh, from the damage in my knees. So uh, I looked like an old man when I was walking because my yeah. legs were like uh, uh, bent forward. Yep. And it, it, it caused problems with my back because my, now the pressure was on my back. So uh, once I got the knees down, my back is starting to feel better. Yeah, it looks so much better. I'm, I'll never forget the first time we met a year ago, Top Guy Weekend. And, and I, I, you know, I'll be honest, I noticed how you walked and I knew it was from what was going on with you. And then, I wanted to keep my eye out for it and buddy, it's night and day. I'm so happy. Yeah, for the you. doctor did an incredible job. I'm so happy with the surgery. All right. Well, that's good stuff. And uh, I wanted to give our, our listeners, our audience uh, update there. And uh, so that's cool. So, Hey, let's jump into it. It is ask her anything. And uh, I want to get as many questions in as we can. And you and I were talking about it. Um, if we don't get to all of them, we may by the end of the year, before the end of the year, try to do another ask her anything, maybe as we get around the holiday season. So don't fret, don't worry. If we don't get to your question, I promise you, uh, we are going to get to your question before the year is out. So no worries there. 
Uh, Kurt, let's start with Francis Reyes. He says, any fun UK travel stories you can share when you were with WWE or TNA? Well, you know what? The one that comes to mind was pretty brutal. Um, my wife was pregnant. She was due in two weeks. So it was safe for me to travel over to the UK. And I, t- I took the travel, and it took me about 15 hours to get there. Right when I got there, I got a call from my wife's parents. Giovanna's in labor. I'm like, holy shit. Oh so I went to the airport. It was closed down. So now I had to go back to the hotel, uh, rest for a couple of hours, which I didn't sleep because I was so excited about the baby. And I flew back another 15 hours just to get there to see my wife and my kids. And uh, she already gave birth. So I missed <gasps> the birth of my baby, but I was happy anyway. I was home with my kid. And actually, I didn't have to do the tour. <laughs> so uh, they let me off the whole entire week. So I got to spend time with my family. I can't even believe Giovanna let you walk out the door with her being that close to delivering a child in the, in the first place. She pal. told me to go. She goes, it's not going to come. Oh, you're Don't lucky. Worry. You go ahead and do it. You'll come back next week and we'll have, we'll have the baby together. <laughs> uh, well, I guess it makes sense. She's probably like, go earn that paycheck. Go ahead and make that payday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly right. Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. And, uh, which child was this? Sophia, our okay. uh, second daughter uh, uh, in that marriage. Yes. I got you. I got you. Okay. Very good. So Sophia, daddy wasn't there, but uh, he made it home and got to spend the first week with you. So yes, uh, I did. All right. <laughs> Next up facts from wrestling sports game and et cetera. He says any funny Bray Wyatt or fiend stories. And what are your thoughts on his big return at the end of extreme rules this year? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I didn't know Braid that well. I mean, I knew him, to, you know, to say hi to him and say, how you doing and everything like that, but I didn't really hang out with him. So I don't have any great stories about Bray Wyatt, but I'm really happy that he came back to Extreme Rules. He's going to be there in 2022. And it's a great thing for him and a great thing for the company. I think both are going to benefit from it. Couldn't agree more with you, Kurt. You know, when he was let go, there was a lot of rumors of, oh, where could he show up and and, uh, you know, all the other companies were mentioned impact AEW, but Bray and the fiend and what he brings to the business just fits with WWE. It does. It doesn't fit anywhere else there. It's perfect. And what he's been able to do in WWE is incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. So I'm excited as a fan to see where they take, uh, you know, this new, you know, it's crazy. He's such an incredible worker and he yeah. does not look like an athlete by any means, but he gets in that ring and he produces man. He does. And when he used to throw himself back and, uh, you know, pull his head back and do that, yeah. like tarantula walk. Or crab or whatever. Yeah. It's that's, I'm like, Hey, well, he's flexible, man. I'll tell you what. So there you go. All right. I uh, can imagine the, 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 the stuff that him and his wife do in bed. <laughs> oh, whoa. Well, we've just taken it up a notch here on ask her anything. Bray Wyatt performing all those tricks and, uh, and Kurt's impressed. He wishes he could uh, have some of those skills. I do, man. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe there's more surgeries in your future that could help you with that. <laughs> Kurt. So Giovanna. I wouldn't mind an extension. Yeah. Honestly. Well, well, wow. Okay. There we go. Kurt's looking for the implants. So, uh, <laughs> Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. 
I don't even know where to go with that except the question number three, and that's uh, a wrestling historian. And he said, you attended Bellator 145. Were you and Ken Shamrock supposed to have an MMA fight? Thanks in advance. Okay, let me tell you the whole story. All right. I broke my neck five times, okay? So after, like, the second time, I had no strength in my upper body. If you remember my thing with D Daniel Pewter, I, I couldn't do three push-ups at that particular time. And, uh, you know, Dan caught me in an arm bar, even though he pinned himself. But, you know, he caught me in the arm bar, and I was in trouble. I mean, I, you know, if he would have kept going, if he wouldn't have pinned himself, I would have ended up breaking my arm. And, you know, my neck, my, my arms didn't get any better. What was going on is when I broke my neck, I was losing circulation to my arms. So my arms got weaker and they started to atrophy and get smaller. And I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't bench 135 pounds. I was weak. My upper body was so weak. So Ken was talking to me about he wanted to fight me in uh, Bellator. And I said, well, Ken, you're going to have to take it easy on me. Yeah. He was like, what are you talking about? I said, listen, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not in any position to fight right now. And, uh, you know, my upper body is really weak and, you know, you're, you're going to have pretty much an easy time with me. Don't get me wrong. I can still take you down and get you down and, you know, work you a little bit, but I'm not going to be a hundred percent. And Ken said, don't worry. I'll take it easy on you. I'm like, wait a minute. Did we just fix a fight? There you go. <laughs> That's, that's and true. Ken said, well, I'm not going to take it that easy on you. If I have to finish you off, I'm going to finish you off. But it never, it never came to fruition. And well, it's because I wasn't, I, there was no way I was able to do it. Yeah. You just weren't in that shape. And Kurt, from what we learned earlier, apparently your arms aren't the only thing that have atrophied. So, uh, there you go. Uh, Keegan, you're up next as someone who is beginning to try to train with Seth Rollins at black and brave next year. What do you think should be the key thing I work on besides moves? Keegan, uh, awesome, man. He said, which happens to be what a lot of talent solely work on nowadays. So he's, uh, he's about to begin, like I said, here training with Seth Rollins at this black and brave, uh, Academy. What would you suggest Kurt that he should work on besides moves? Okay. Bumping properly. You have to get that done right away. That's your first thing you need to worry about so that you stay safe. So you don't get injured. You have to learn how to bump properly. Once you get that out of the way, the next thing is selling. Selling is what sells tickets. That's what my pay-per-view buys. That's, that's what, what occurs. That's, that's how you get the business moving and you learn how to sell the proper way. If you do that, those two things right there to begin with, you're going to be a okay. If you continue on and then you work on your move set and everything else and your character. But the first two things is bumping and selling. Mm. So it's how do you, it's really, how do you react taking moves, bumping, yes. selling? Yeah, yes. that's the key. It's not giving them. It's how you act, act taking them and, uh, and, and how you fall, how you sell. And the, you know, the when I started wrestling, when I started my first two weeks, I didn't do one offensive move. Yeah. I let them, they let them be, pick me up and slam me and I would bump and I would sell. I learned that first before I started having more, uh, doing offense. And that's the, that's why I learned so quickly. You know, it was cool. I was at a, a dynamite show a few weeks ago and I was sitting by Derek Sabato, Derek and I went together who writes for the helps, uh, research for writer, our show. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. I love Derek. And, uh, it was so he, he has a lot of experience in the wrestling industry. He's been a referee, but he was commenting on things as I was watching the match. And it was just different listening to someone who knows the business so well. And he was like, you know, wow, this person's really given it up so much to this other wrestler or, or wow, look at the facials. They're really doing a good job with their facials. And it's like, man, I'm watching this a little bit differently. Just yeah. listen to him comment it, 
comment on it, right? And you know why? Because are... he's a mega fan. He's a student of the game. That's right. Yeah, and he studies it left and right, up and down. Yeah. So, you know, those are some things though, to think about if you're getting in the business that, you know, the facials, those are things that are, are you making the right faces at the right time and playing to the audience? It's all exactly. that stuff. That, that's one of the most important things. Yes. <clears throat> all right. Good stuff. Uh, James Chadwick, Chad Simpson. So, uh, he goes by Chad. He said, Kurt, I recently watched unforgiven 2001 again on the heels of nine 11 as an Olympic hero, did WWF management ever talk about changing your role to a more serious character? And did you feel additional pressure being the American hero? No, I didn't feel additional pressure being the American hero is nine 11 and the country needed a shot in their arm. And I was their Olympic hero. I was the USA guy and I was going to win the championship from stone cold, Steve Austin. Uh, it, it was set up for that. That was the reason why I won the title in the first place. But what was the first question that you asked me? He was just asking if they ever consider changing your role to a more serious character. Well, when I was a babyface against Stone Cold Steve Austin, I was pretty serious. Yeah. You know, I beforehand when I was a heel, I was you know doing all the goofy, funny stuff, and afterward I did a little bit more of that. But when I was wrestling Stone Cold, I, I was pretty serious. So I'm not sure if they didn't realize that or, or if they wanted me to become serious from here on in from after yeah. that rest with stone cold to, to the future. And I don't know if that's what they meant. So no, no pressure for you being the American hero. I mean, you think about it too. You were kind of an American hero for all of us in 1996 on your way to the gold medal. Yeah. I got to do it over again. You know <laughs> what I mean? Great. This is a different way. Honestly, uh, that was my favorite moment in WWE, that wrestling moment. I mean, yeah. the, my favorite moment, uh, was the truck milk truck incident. Uh, yeah. I, when I doused everybody with milk, yeah. but, but the wrestling moment was beating stone cold for the world title right after nine 11. That was awesome. Man, that's big time, man. So cool. Uh, Ben Reynolds is up next. He said, who is the wrestler that, and if you forget context, you know, interference, et cetera, Kurt's character would consider his worst loss by pinfall or submission. For example, you know, like the rock, he lost to the hurricane. Is there a wrestler that you look back and man, I cannot believe I lost to that, to that guy. Well, you know what? He wasn't such a, he was actually a really good wrestler. His character was a little bit odd, but uh, I would say Eugene. Oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, uh, it was great because he was so entertaining. Very, very funny. He was playing a special needs kid and uh, he did it really well. Yeah, uh, you know, losing to a special needs kid, it's not that there's no shame in losing the special needs kids, but it was kind of, you know, a little bit odd that I had to do the job for him. And I, I ended up redeeming myself and beating him at the pay-per-view. But, you know, him beating me, I remember Nick when I when I started wrestling. Yeah. And he was training also. And uh, so he was a really good wrestler. So, you know, I knew him as a person before he did Eugene. So I, I respected him enough that I, you know, doing a job for him was no problem. What did you think of him doing that whole character at the <laughs> it time? Was, it was great. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely loved it. Every time he went out there, I was, I was up, up, uh, you know, looking at the screen, watching like a fan. Yeah. I enjoyed everything he did. He, he made it look so real. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, all right. Justin Ohella is up next. He said, Kurt, will Pittsburgh ever get a stadium, WrestleMania or SummerSlam? also what's your favorite thing about pittsburgh so let's start there first will they ever get a stadium wrestlemania or SummerSlam? well i hope so because pittsburgh deserves it uh they're one of the they're one of the best wrestling cities in the united states they they've been that for a long time they always you know come close to selling out or selling out every time wwe comes there uh so 
I wouldn't be surprised if they end up having a WrestleMania in the SummerSlam there. Uh, it's going to have to be at Heinz Field. I forget what the new name is. Acrisure. Yeah. Acrisure Field. But um, I think it would be excellent there. And the, the problem, though, with Pittsburgh is in the spring, it's still a bit cold. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, usually when they do WrestleMania in stadiums, it usually has a roof over it. Uh, Acrisure Stadium does not have a roof over it. Yeah, SummerSlam potentially that would be fun. You know, August it would be nice and hot there. That's for yes, sure. Yes, it but, would. That would be a perfect time to do it. But uh, the other thing too you have to think about is the city's infrastructure. I know that's what they look at a lot now, even for Super Bowls. Do hotels they have enough and hotels and transportation and enough ability to get in and out of the city? And that's what the Super Bowl they they look at that. You got to have all that in place. And WrestleMania is now at that level. And I don't know oh, infrastructure wise if, if Pittsburgh's there yet, but man, I'm I think sure at least ready for it either. I think SummerSlam, I'd love to see that happen. That would be fun. Definitely. He says, what's your favorite thing about the Berg? What do you, what do you love you know most what? about Pittsburgh? It's the people, the yeah. people, even a stranger, you're walking down the street. They say hi to you. It's, <laughs> you know, how's your day doing? It's like, great. I don't know you, but great. <laughs> but not only that, I love the skyline of Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, you go through those port four pit tunnels from the airport. Yep. And you go through it and bang, the city yep. hits you right in your face. And it's a huge skyline. I love the city of Pittsburgh. I love going up to Mount Washington and looking yes. over the city. My dad built the tallest building in the city, the PPG building. Oh. So, uh, you know, it has a lot of memories for me. So I love the skyline. Yeah. Going up the Duquesne incline um, yeah. and, and just being on top of Mount Washington, there's some nice places to eat up there, but you can see the whole deal. Heinz Field to the PNC Park where the three rivers form. Uh, man, it's a beautiful, beautiful view and, uh, they've really built up the North shore. So if you're looking oh, for yeah. some, you know, to get away for a weekend with, uh, you know, the, your significant other or whatever, and it's, it's a hidden gem dude. And, uh, it's, it is, you're absolutely right, Paul. It is a hidden gem. And I know we're, we're, we're marks for, for the city, but, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed and a lot of history there, you, museums that you can tour through and, uh, Hey, it's the home of Mr. Rogers. Okay. Yes, so, it is my favorite know. character of all time. Mr. Rogers. Really? Yeah. I loved him. He had oh. such a huge impact on my life. Oh, I wanted to meet him. I never did. And I lived in Pittsburgh. <laughs> they have that statue of him down on the, the river there. That's and, how uh, much of an impact he had on everybody's lives. Uh, Mr. Rogers is worldwide famous. Yeah, absolutely. Watched him as a kid, him and the, and the train and the sweater to the jacket and the shoe changing. Oh man. Good stuff. Kurt Martin Watchorn is up next. Martin. Love you, buddy. A lot of these names I recognize because a lot of them are ad free show folks and they're, they're always supporting us. He said, could please, uh, could Kurt talk about his title winning match versus Bobby Lashley from impact at Wembley, uh, in London. So Kurt, before we uh, go on to his other questions, can you talk a little bit about that winning title match against Lashley? That title win was one of my top five moments. And I'll tell you why I was in my late forties and, uh, I didn't know if I was still in my prime. And this match was a great test for me. Bobby Lashley was in his prime. I'm near the end of my career. I'm wrestling for the world title and I beat him and we had a great match. It gave me the confidence to continue to move on because at this point in time, I was actually considering retirement, but after beating Bobby and having that great match with him, I knew I wasn't done wrestling. So that match had a huge impact on my career. And it's one of my top, top five moments. Oh, that's awesome. Kurt. And he said, uh, listen to this. I love Martin. What are the chances of Kurt's chicken snacks being available through a UK retailer? Yeah, he, all I, right. I'm going to tell you this: it, within six months, it will be in the UK. I promise you. We okay. already have distributors set up. 
We're going to get it ready and going. And by six months, you're going to have them in the UK. You'll be able to enjoy chicken snacks in the UK. You got it. Six months. So Martin, keep an eye out. I mean, I see him in the giant Eagle all the time. I mean, you're posting them on Instagram, you and Giovanna. So, uh, but man, they're going to come to the UK. You heard it here from, uh, the Olympic, your Olympic hero. He says, thanks to the goat for everything. Yes. The goat it's true. It's damn true. Cheers, Martin. So there you go. The greatest of all time. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) Martin's a good dude. Uh, Trey Edison is up next. He says, uh, uh, Kurt, I read your tweet regarding the bound for glory, 2007 bat incident with sting. What did you two say to each other in the ring? Also backstage, what was said? Thank you very much. Well, sting was supposed to stop the bat. He didn't have his hands together. They were apart. So the bat went right down between his hands and hit him right on the head. And his head exploded. Blood was shooting everywhere. He had to get 20 stitches in his head. And I was like, fudge. <laughs> like, oh my I'm God. sure you were. Uh, I thought I knocked him out. I mean, his head it, it had a loud clonk. Clonk. <laughs> like, it was Dude. really loud. And the fans, even in the crowd, were like, holy crap. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And Sting actually grabbed the bat, didn't break character, and uh, hit me in the gut with it or whatever he did. And he finished it off. But... um we went backstage and sting wasn't even mad. He's like, Hey, it was my fault. I should have had my hands together. It wasn't your fault. And, uh, but I'm going to have to get 20 stitches now. <laughs> so he had to end up going to the EMTs and getting stitches. It was horrible, man. I, I felt so bad for him. Sting is like, is he like the Lord? I mean, he's like, yes, sounds yes. like Mr. Very Perfect. Forgiving, never uh, gets mean... angry. The guy, <laughs> the guy is the, the nicest guy in the world. Holy you shit. Can't, you can't get mad at him. You yeah. Can't, you can't hate the guy. He's I mean, at, you can like hit him in the head perfect. and split his head with a baseball bat. And he's like, Kurt, it's not your fault. It's mine. It's mine. <laughs> oh my God. This guy sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, he's an angel. If we could all only learn and be more like sting, be like sting. It should be a shirt. Uh, we need more stings in this world, Kurt, and less assholes. Yes, we do. Absolutely. Uh, Lindsay Lopez is up next. Oh, Lindsay. It was great to see you at uh, top guy weekend. She said, let's talk football. What do you think your Steelers, and you can just tell the tone, are going to need this season to be successful? <laughs> Where do we begin, Kurt? Where do we begin? <laughs> she wants to know that. And she says, now keep in mind, I'm a Baltimore girl, and you guys are going down twice oh, this season thanks man. to my Ravens. Hold on a second. By the way, the Ravens are struggling too. Uh, <laughs> they're three and three. Game. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, be careful what you say, honey. But, um, you know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I will say this. The Steelers made the right move by making Kenny Pickett the starting quarterback. He, he needs reps. He needs yep. to make mistakes. He needs to mess up, fuck up, whatever it is this yeah. whole season. Yep. Get his shit down straight. So next season, they're going to be a formidable uh, team. that yeah. will be able to compete for the Super Bowl. But having Kenny Pickett, they should have started him at the beginning of the year, let him yeah. make his mistakes, yeah. let him get experience, and then eventually he's going to be an incredible quarterback. He is our future. And yeah. that guy is very talented. He's very talented. He's got the, uh, he's got the moxie. He's the kind of guy you want with the football at the end of the game. Just trust, yes. trust us. You'll the see one it. You can count on. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know what? Listen, TJ Watt is a big blow. We haven't had him all year and, uh, you know, and listen, I'm all for it. Let's just adding more pieces in the off seasons. looks like we might have a pretty high draft pick, but it's just continuing to build and get better and. Uh, there's still a lot of season left, Kurt. So we'll see what happens. There is. I mean, the Steelers could turn it around. They already beat the Bucks, and you know they're they're off to a you know a, a one game streak. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's just uh, let's just but pray we can. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll see. So there you go. Uh, Scott Golden is up next. And by the way, Lindsay, we love you. Just sorry that you're a Ravens fan. I mean, it's, it's uh, <laughs> we're sorry for you there. Scott Golden oh, says, sorry too. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, I was around Steve Bradley a few years before he passed away. Any stories of your time with him and developmental? I owe everything I did in pro wrestling to Steve Bradley. Hmm. We started together. We were in the first Dory Funk Dojo camp together. And uh, what the what the WWE decided to do is tie him to me until I got on TV. So I would go to Dory Funk Dojo camps, and Steve would come, and then we would go wrestle at independent shows. Steve would come with me. He'd give me advice, show me what the ropes, what to do. And then we ended up going down to Memphis together. and We actually lived together because WWE wanted him attached to me because he knew everything about the business. He was so talented, not just from a wrestling standpoint, but a character standpoint, a promo standpoint. The guy had it all. I'm surprised he didn't start on WWE television. Mm. I heard they forgot about him when he was in Puerto Rico. And then they were eventually going to call him up and they brought him up to Cincinnati and something occurred where he ended up getting let go and it just never happened. But Steve should have been, he should have been a WWE champion. Eventually they actually came up with a gimmick for him because he was so young. He was like 22 years old. They wanted him to be a college athlete. Okay. And uh, be so dumb he didn't know what he was doing, like like wrestling Stone Cold Steve Austin at 22 years of age. He was going to get his ass kicked, but he didn't think he could. He, you know, he making him trying to be like a, a gullible, a gullible type of talent. Yeah. So that was the idea they wanted with him, but they passed that up, and eventually uh, he got let go. And I know that sadly he ended up passing away at a very young age. I'm so sorry to hear that because I I love Steve and I respect him so much. Mm. There you go. No, thank you for sharing some of that. And that's some stuff I, you know, information that I wasn't aware of. Scott, great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, Jay, the K is up next. And he said, what's one individual from your TNA impact run that you're surprised never made it to the WWE. Oh, that's hard to pick one. Um, I will say abyss. He did go to WWE as a producer, but he never wrestled for WWE, but I thought he should have been up there. Also, I'd like to say Christopher Daniels and Kaz Kazarian. Oh, yeah. Those two guys were not only incredible singles wrestlers, they were incredible tag wrestlers. They had it all. And those guys were incredible. I, I actually expected them to end up in WWE. And sadly, they didn't, but they're in AEW now. So that's that's just about as good. I'll throw another one at you that I'm surprised at. And that's somebody that we had at our live show, Top Guy Weekend. Jay Lethal. Yeah. Yeah, Jay's another one too. Man, Mr. Uh, you charisma. Know, that whole X division in TNA was ridiculous. Yeah, but Lethal has charisma and he, he has skills. Yeah, and he can he can mimic Ric Flair. Which, yeah, and Macho Man. And Macho Man, yeah. He could probably mimic mimic anybody, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I should have had him try to do a Kurt Angle imitation while we were there. That would have been fun. You'd have to shave his head bald. Well, he actually is shaved bald, right? Yeah. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. <laughs> I mean, he could have done something fun. Yeah. Yes, he could have. Oh, he's good, man. All right. Uh, Joe Giacchetti, and hopefully I got that pronunciation right. He said, did you really use a chicken suit when training for the 1996 Olympics, <laughs> like Edge and Christian said? <laughs> no, that was Brian Gewurz, the writer of WWE, and he decided to... uh uh, claim that I wore a chicken suit to lose weight, to cut weight because <laughs> the, the suit was so heavy to make me sweat. And, uh, so edge and Christian, you know, gave me the chicken suit on TV. It was freaking hilarious. So I'm wearing this chicken suit. Christian's trying to actually Christian wore the chicken suit cause he had to lose weight cause he was in a cruiserweight match that night. Uh, he had to lose five pounds. Right. 
So it was ridiculous. I actually told him, Hey, I used to wear a chicken suit when I'd have to lose weight for the Olympics. You should wear your chicken suit. So he did. It was hilarious. Yeah, Joe, I think I just trying to have a little bit of fun with you there. Ben is up next. And he said, I really enjoyed your tag run with Chris Benoit in 2002 wrestling the Guerreros and edge and Rey Mysterio, man, what a show. We just talked about that last week. And a lot of people, and I saw on social, uh, commenting best tag match of all time, best championship tag match of all time. Kurt, I don't know if you were seeing the same feedback, but yes, I was, I was surprised. I mean, you know, I was not a tag wrestler, but it felt really good. Cause you know, none of us were tag wrestlers. Yeah. Edge, uh, Ray, me and Benoit were all singles wrestlers, but we were put together to have this tag match. And it, it was incredible. It was my favorite tag match I've ever been in. I don't know if it was the greatest rest tag match of all time, but I'd say it's pretty close. Well, a lot of other people are saying that best of all time, man, you're just associated with so many best of all times, but I'm not going to keep talking about that. We need your headphones to stay on your head and not pop off. <laughs> he said, uh, was it an adjustment for you during doing more tag team matches or did you adapt pretty easily? So we'll start there. Was it an adjustment um, for you? I mean, a little bit, you know, I wasn't crazy about tagging. But if I tagged with Chris Benoit, I was there all day, all night. There, you know, I, having Chris as a tag team partner, I felt like I was uh, tagging with my twin brother. And uh, he was so intense and so technical, just like me. Uh, we came, made a very formidable tag team. And uh, they were right by putting the titles on us. We were the first SmackDown tag team champions after the brand split. And uh, I absolutely love working with Benoit. And, yeah, I had to adapt a little bit because it was tag wrestling. But it's not that hard. I mean, once you're in there and you're wrestling, you do a few tag matches, you kind of get the hang of it. He said, uh, what was it like teaming up with Benoit instead of wrestling him? You know what? I The thing is, anytime I wrestled Benoit or anytime I tagged with Benoit, it was my favorite time in WWE. As long as he was associated with me, those are my favorite matches of all time. Benoit, tagging with him or wrestling him. It didn't matter either one. But uh, both of them, I knew that I would have the best matches of my career. Did you have, Kurt, and this is just me, you know, we're just talking out loud now. Did you have any kind of relationship outside of, hey, this is what we're going to do in wrestling or, you know, hey, we're together as a tag team. Did you have any kind of relationship with him, conversations with him that you can recall or remember outside of just, hey, this is, you know, working together? Yeah, we were all close. I mean, Eddie, Chavo, Ray, me, uh, Chris, uh, we were all very tight. I mean, we told each other, you know, personal things that were going on in our families, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff, uh, about, uh, working out and okay. uh, what we had to do or, uh, advice to each other on wrestling matches. We were all really close and, uh, we bonded pretty well. And I, I loved Chris. I loved him to death. I just wondered how much of an open book he was, you know, was he a pretty quiet he guy? Was, no, he was, he was real quiet to himself. Um, yeah. you know, you could get a lot out of Chris. He wasn't going to give it to you. But okay. you had to respect him for that because he was a he was kind of like a shy, quiet kid. When he went out in the ring, he became a monster. A Wolverine. An animal, yeah. a Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, backstage he was really laid back, very quiet. Gotcha. Yeah, that's how he 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 always appeared to be. And uh so there you go. Uh James Grunberg is up next. He said, Is there one match in particular that you had that began to take a toll on your body and and told you to slow down. Is it the Shane McMahon street fight? So do you remember kind of a point in time where you were like, shit, I, I got to slow down a little bit here. That was it. The Shane, Shane McMahon street fight. Uh, the street fight was incredible. Um, we beat each other up so badly. We ended up, we both ended up in the hospital. Um, and the crazy thing is 
we're both in wheelchairs in the hospital. We see each other and we're high-fiving each other. Like, hey, we kicked ass. And we're both like almost crippled. <laughs> it was ridiculous, man. Uh, but, you know, that was early in my career. And when you have a match like that, it makes you feel good. The pain goes away in your body. You know, you, I had a cracked tailbone. But, you know, that night I was flying so high from the match that I didn't feel the crack in my tailbone. But, um, you know, I would say that match was the one that had me uh, calm down. And uh, th that's what made me not crazy about gimmick matches. Because when I did that street fight, the abuse my body took, I decided from here on in, I don't want to be a part of any gimmick matches. But yeah. I was, you know, some cage matches, Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, I don't think I was ever involved in a ladder match until I did TLC with the Shield. But um, I always tried to stay away from gimmick matches because of that. Yeah, once you start throwing people through glass walls and, and getting, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have to rethink some things here. Oh, Shane was crazy, man. When it failed, when I hit him, when he hit the glass and landed on his head and made a big clunk. He, I went to get him, and he said, "Do it again. Throw my ass through it again." I was like, "You're crazy, Shane." When's do you remember the last time you talked to Shane Kurt? Has it been a while? Uh, you know what? We talked to each other about two months ago on, on, uh, on the phone. Uh, okay. I did talk to him. He reached out to me and asked me how I was doing Shane, uh, you know, out of the blue, he always keeps in touch with his closest friends, undertaker, me stone cold, uh, even Dwayne Johnson when he can. Uh, but, uh, Shane always reaches out. He always wants to keep in touch with everybody that he was close to. That's cool, man. So he just randomly a couple months ago, reached out and yeah. just checked in and I hope he's doing well. He's one guy when he's not involved in the WWE or what have you, you just don't hear anything and, uh, right. on what he's up to, but well, he has a pretty successful business over in China from what I hear. Okay. It's like, uh, it's, I heard it's like really making a lot of money. I think what it is, is it's like, uh, it's like a Netflix in uh, China. Okay. A, I think like something like that live stream in China. I don't know. Uh, what happened was I was in Japan and I wrestled at a show and I was in my hotel room. And these two guys from China call me. They speak English, kind of. They're like, Kurt Dangle, we want you to come downstairs. We want to talk business. I'm like, well, I'm not a business guy. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, talk to Shane McMahon? So I called Shane. I said, hey, meet these guys downstairs. They want to talk business. And it has to, had to do with something like that in China. And I, I don't know if that's how it got started. Okay. But, uh, you know, Shane ended up talking to those guys. And he ended up uh, doing business with them. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, man, all good things. So many people, when they think about Shane, it's like you, Shane, and that match will forever live in infamy, uh, yeah. and, and just be you know a lot of people's favorites of all time. One you of our what? favorites. It's amazing how good Shane was when he wrestled very little. Yes, he was such a great athlete, you know. And the fact that he's a daredevil and just doesn't care and gives it all oh, for the fans. How about those falls off the cages, oh. off the uh, you know off the ledge. You know, yeah. 30 feet above the, the Titan Tron. It was ridiculous when he landed on Big Shaw. I mean, it seemed like he was falling for 10 seconds. <laughs> and, and dude, I'm scared of heights. All right. No way in hell. I mean, me neither. No, I'm not yeah. doing that either. I, I, you wouldn't My body would, would break in two. <laughs> hey, well, the fact that you were doing, uh, you know, moonsaults off of cages, that's still crazy, bro. It is crazy, but not as crazy as Shane. Oh, bow. I don't know how you, you, you would, you would do some of that stuff that you did. So. My goodness. All right, let's move on. We're going to, we're going to move over to someone who, uh, you know what? This guy is a good guy. It's the pastor. It's pastor Tim. And he says, you've wrestled main event spots at both WrestleMania and new Japan, Russell kingdom. Can you share your thoughts on the differences between wrestling at mania versus Russell kingdom at the Tokyo dome? And as an American wrestler, how does Russell kingdom compare to WrestleMania from your perspective? 
Well, WrestleMania, the, the fans in the United States are very vocal. They're very loud. They get rowdy, crazy. Uh, they cheer chants, uh, you know, you suck, you know, uh, <laughs> we know that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, like, uh, that was awesome. You uh, still got they, it. Yeah. Yeah. You still got it. They would chant and they would, they were always very vocal, but the Japanese fans, they were quiet. They were very, uh, uh, well-behaved and they uh. would clap after a good spot and they would observe the match. They were studying the match. They were really into it. They just didn't show it with emotion. And what they would do is every spot that you did, it was successful. You get a clap. Everybody would clap, but they weren't loud by any means. And uh, they were just more well-behaved, but they were really into the matches. It was kind of cool. It was different. Interesting, but it is a completely dynamic. I'm sure for you as a performer to get used to when you're used it to is. that energy from the United States crowd. Yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, it was, it was harder to, to work in front of that crowd, but you actually knew that they were into it though, because oh, of the, cool. the way they studied the matches. Yeah. There you go. Ryan Connolly is up next. He says, Mr. Angle. Good, sir. Man, he must not know you very well. He said it. I'm kidding. In your years of travel, have you checked out any of our world's or nation's natural wonders? Which one have you enjoyed the most? Or do you enjoy such things at all? All right. I'm guilty of not going to see the world wonders when I travel around because I travel around the world quite a bit. I went to like, uh, let me see, 82 different countries. And uh, there were a lot of wonders that I could have seen. I didn't see them. The only one I did see is Niagara Falls. And that was overwhelming. I absolutely loved that. And that was like three but, weeks but, ago. Yeah, it was. Right. Yeah. That's my first time. Isn't that crazy? I'm, I'm near the end of my life. <laughs> you know, I didn't go see anything. Hey, guys, I, I pulled my head out of my ass, and I actually went and saw the world wonder. <laughs> you know, it's crazy because I traveled all over the world, and I could have seen so many things. And uh, I didn't do it. You know what? It's on my bucket list, which is ridiculous. No, but I, that, you know, I want to see the um the Grand Canyon. Yes. Uh, I want to see the 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 what do you call it in in Egypt? Uh, oh, like the pyramids and all yeah, that. Yeah, the pyramid. I mean, there are a lot of things I yeah. want to do, and I haven't done it yet. I want to go to Jerusalem. Okay, Israel. go to Israel. Yeah, do check out all that. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. Well, it sounds like you got quite the bucket list. Uh, we're I gonna do, have to man. We're, he I said, in the, know if I'm going to knock it out. Yeah, we got to get you busy. He said, in the past several years, I've become a state and national park enthusiast. And I wanted to ask, thanks for your time. It's interesting because I had just uh, interviewed someone for my shoot job. And that was one of the things they said that is that one of their favorite family vacations is the national parks, because it's one of those things where they can do it together as a family and uh, get to see so much, you know, of of nature and cool sites. Well, that's what my wife wants to do. She wants to get an RV, take my family oh in the my RV, God, travel Bert. around the country and see the wonders. She has told me that at least 25 times now in the last year. And how many so times it's going to happen walk? eventually. Oh, We're going to be the, the Griswolds. <laughs> you need a nanny to go with you too. I mean, come on something. <laughs> we might have to with our, with our kids. Yeah. Oh. It's kids. <laughs> it goes from natural wonders to natural disasters in no time <laughs> i love it make sure you document the whole trip i want to see it oh we will my wife will you know that just for entertainment purposes uh brian haremza is up next he says in your a e documentary you mentioned going into the olympics you joined the dave schultz wrestling club what is your relationship like with dave's family now and do you still work with dave's wrestling club now Okay, I, I'm still uh, very close to Nancy Schultz, Dave's wife, and her kids. Um, 
One is uh, named Xander Schultz, who I uh, who I keep in touch with. I also keep in touch with his brother Mark, who I idolized as a kid. He was just as good as Dave Schultz, and uh, so I, I do keep in touch with him. I definitely do. Um, the other question was: uh, Do you still work with the wrestling club now? The wrestling club, it's no longer. Okay. Um, they started a wrestling club in 1996. I became the first member of the Dave Schultz Wrestling Club because I vocally quit Foxcatcher. I didn't want the blood money from John Dupont. Nancy Schultz heard about that. So she called me and said, Hey, Kurt, I'm starting a wrestling club. I have a bunch of sponsors that are stepping forward. I want to make you the first member of the Dave Schultz wrestling club. I said, Nancy, you don't have to do that. Uh, I said, I said, you know what? I'll join that club. And she said, well, I want to pay you. How much were you getting from Foxcatcher? I said, you don't have to pay me, Nancy. I just love to be a part of Dave Schultz's legacy. And she said, no, I'm going to pay you anyway, whatever Foxcatcher was paying you. And what's ridiculous is she was able to keep that club going for like 15, 20 years. Mm. And the problem was she ran out of the funds and sponsorships backed out. And then she was using her own money. She filed a lawsuit against John DuPont, made $33 million. And she started using that money for the Dave Schultz wrestling club just to keep Dave Schultz memory alive. And that was the wrong thing. I mean, that's her money. That's right. That's what her family's going to, that's what they got in replace their dad, which is not a replacement by any means. Sure. But that was her money. And she was using it for the Dave Schultz wrestling club to keep the club alive and fund the wrestlers so they could continue to travel and wrestle all over the world. Mm. She's an incredible individual. She just like her husband. Sounds like it. Mm. Well, no, there you go. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Adam Arpin is up next. And he says, if you had gone back to WWE at a time where you could have still competed for a couple years and you ran an invasion angle using talent from TNA, who would have been the two or three guys you would have wanted to join you? So Kurt, you're going into WWE. It's invasion style from TNA. Who were those two or three other guys you're bringing with you? Oh man. Well, staying for one. Okay. Um, AJ Samoa Joe and a best. Let me, let me bring four in. I'd say those four, um, you know, I think that would have been a formidable team, especially having a big guy abyss on the team and having the leader sting and AJ Styles with his athletic ability and and Joe with his ground pounding and mm. you know his skills. They were those guys would have been incredible. We could have had a great invasion angle. Yeah, we're taking over. Here comes Kurt Angle and the crew. I love it. That's a fun question, Adam. Love it, and uh, thank you for asking. Uh, man, yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. Daniel's up next. He said, uh, Kurt, my name is Daniel. And I'm pursuing a career in broadcast journalism. My question that I have for you, Kurt, is what was your experience like working as a sportscaster for Fox News Pittsburgh? You haven't heard, man. I've told this story at least 15 times. Daniel wants to hear it again, Kurt. It's so good. He just has to hear it. And uh, I'm here for it. Let's okay. Go. I was, uh, after the Olympics, I was offered a job by Fox in Pittsburgh. And it was to be a sports broadcaster. And it was to be the weekend sports anchor and a reporter during the week. And uh, when I started, the, the station was a startup station. So they didn't have any rehearsals. I had no experience. So I go in the first night to go on the air. And uh, I have my scripts in order. And I go into the studio to do my read. And I run into the producer. My scripts fly up in the air, all out of order. My producer says, shit, just grab the scripts. Don't <laughs> worry about those. Just read the teleprompter. You'll be able to see the pro- teleprompter and they'll have the words up. Just read that. So I sit down, I'm getting ready. And this announcer says time for the angle on sports. That th- that's what they said for the beginning of my show. And um, so the teleprompter, the, the words are up there. Then it goes black. And I'm sitting there for like 15 seconds. I'm waiting for it to come back up. It's not coming up. 
And the producer, I have an earpiece in my ear and the producer says, Kurt, say something, anything, say whatever, say anything. And I said, Oh, uh, the Duquesne basketball team had a game today. Let's go to the highlights. And I, I remember that was the first segment. So they, we, we talked about the highlights. I said, I, I didn't know the names of the individuals. So I was like number 67 with a layup. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the next sporting event I think is, uh, is baseball. And it ended up being football. It was the wrong one. And this happened throughout the whole show. Oh, dear. So every God. segment I was picking the wrong thing. And then I would say, oh, no, it's football. And I would do, I'd say, let's go to the highlights. So this happened for eight minutes. It was a complete disaster. And when I got done, the scripts were all over the table. I looked like I just had sex. Uh, <laughs> the two, uh, the weather girl and the, and the um, news anchor yeah. were both wedding because they, they looked like they had had sex too. Yeah. This yeah, is a great yeah. scene. Well, yeah. Like we, like we just had great sex, right? But it was like, okay, that was the angle on sports. It was the worst experience of my life. And you know what? It didn't get better. Mm. I mean, for that whole year, it was a disaster. I was the worst sportscaster in the history of sportscasting. Sounds like a complete, but, you know, I, I didn't have, um, I didn't have the, 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 the background for it. And I definitely didn't have the experience and I had no, um, uh, rehearsal, so no I, rehearsal, I really no notes, with, just bullshitting you know, up there. Oh, I Crisco. jumped in with both feet. <laughs> yeah. You were sweating, have looked like you just had nasty sex and, and, and so did everybody else. And you were calling the wrong sports. I, is this exists anywhere on video? Cause this sounds like, Oh yeah, I think it's on YouTube. Okay. It, we're going to find yeah. it. And then me and you are going to do a bonus show for ad free shows where we watch it and then make fun You're of gonna it. You're going to know exactly how I No, we're going to make fun shit. of it. Like it's just, we're <laughs> going to sit there and shit all over it. And then we're going to hit play again and then do it again. Yeah. And then we're going to have so hey, much fun. Anybody that wants to see it, look up Fox 53, Kurt Angle sports casting first night on the air okay well me and you are going to do this watch along experience i mean we have to and just rip it, good. rip it to i'm shreds. not looking forward to it oh yes you oh it's true it's going to be so awesome it's damn true patrick <laughs> J is up next uh i just hope that uh never mind i'm not even gonna say it which was actually tougher on your body the constant training and tournaments and amateur wrestling or pro wrestling each night i'll be honest with you and this is hard for me to say um, wrestling, amateur wrestling is the most injury prone sport in the world. And, uh, I got injured quite a bit, bit in amateur wrestling with my training and my competing, but pro wrestling is the worst. Wow. Okay. I've never been more injured in my life than pro wrestling, even though it's predetermined and everybody thinks it's fake. The move sets are real and everything that we do is real. We wrestle on plywood. We get slammed on plywood. The ropes that we come off of they're, they're, they're very stiff. Uh, the, the plywood, when you run on the, in, on the, in the ring, uh, the plywood bounces up and down. So your knees take a, a quite of abuse. Sure. And, uh, I've had so many injuries in pro wrestling. Nothing compares to pro wrestling. It's the most dangerous sport. I'd say type of sport there is in the world. Uh, there, there are more injuries in that than any, any other sport. Definitely. Buddy, we just saw, uh, you know, John Moxley clothesline hangman page Wednesday night. It was uh, a big time clothesline hangman kind of flipped around, but landed on his head concussion. They had to shut the oh, whole match down. No. They had to shut the he match down to do like a they fancy turn and twist. Yeah. It was like twist and turn of the canvas uh, <clears throat> ref had to cl close the match and AW had seven minutes left in the broadcast. So they had to bring out like MJF and fumble uh, around and talk about uh, what the next week's show is going to look like. I mean, they did a uh, fine job of it, but you yeah, knew they, there, there was they, no they plan for that, up, right? Yeah. There was no plan for that. Damage and, control. Yeah, right. but he, he got stretchered out, man. Jeez, and uh, shame, man. that is another There's example good. of how that stuff, how pro wrestling, anything can happen at any time, man. 
You're and, absolutely uh, right, Paul. Yeah, big time concussion. And uh, to your point, uh, if you've not been in a ring, if you've not felt the canvas and taken the power slams and the bumps and listen, if you've never wrestled before, go in the ring and take three bumps. I swear you'll say, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> that's that's right. what I did when I started. I got up after the third bump and I look at my manager and said, I can't do this. Yeah. You, said, you'll you'll finish dev- out the day. And I did. I, I, I'm sure it's a different level of respect. Uh, we were, we were at Starcast, and me and um, Marcus, one of the social media guys, he's like, I, I, "Give me a body slam, Paul. I've never felt a body slam in a ring." So I picked him up and slammed him out and gave him a bump. He's like, "Okay, yeah, that felt a little different than I thought it was." Like, we're not playing on mattresses here. This is no, a- no, no. It's hard plywood, man. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Magnificent Matt is up next with the next question. He says, a few years ago, I saw a picture of you with original Kiss drummer Peter Chris. What was it like meeting him, and are you still a Kiss fan? I love Kiss. I yeah. grew up with Kiss. Chris uh, Peter Chris was my favorite uh, player, uh, drum player. Yeah, uh, I actually took drums because of Peter Chris, and I took the lessons for 20 years. I became really good because I wanted to be Peter Chris, and I finally got to meet him at a Comic-Con a couple years ago, and I was elated. I was so excited. I'm like, Peter, Chris, could you take a picture with me? He's like, Kurt Angle, relax. <laughs> because I know who you are. <laughs> That's said, awesome. I want to take a picture with you as well. So let's do it together. And it was really cool because I was like, Peter, Chris knows who I am. Holy crap. I was so excited, man. It was like the coolest thing in the world, knowing that this guy knew me. It's funny because I was going to ask you at some point in the show, what's one thing about Kurt Angle that nobody would really know? But I think you just answered it. And that's that you play drums for how long? 20 years. Get out of here. Got really good. Really good. Yeah. Did you ever play in a band or? Nope. Nope. Never play in a band. I would, I would play in a studio at my house, play music and I would drum to it. And, uh, I always wanted to do a band. I actually came up with the idea in WWE with Chris Jericho. I wanted to start a band in WWE and, and, and make some songs and have WWE produce it. And, uh, you know, see if a few other, uh, uh, wrestlers were, uh, yeah, where's Coco Beware? Is he around? He could get on the soundtrack too. They could do a whole new album again. You're right, man. <laughs> Gene awesome. Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> Tutti Fruity. Oh, oh man. There was all they had an album in the 80s that was a classic. But yeah, let's I heard do it. about that. Yeah. Let, let's do it again with Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho. There could have been a whole deal with you playing the drums. I'm all for it, man. I did not know that. That's wild stuff. That's that's crazy <laughs> stuff. All right. Joey, the Tori Amos guy says, Kurt, what is your favorite TNA match? not involving yourself <laughs> ah, well that's, that's a hard one <laughs> yeah because that's impossible <laughs> <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> uh, i would say anything with aj and samoa joe uh, and, and don't get me wrong listen these guys in the x division were doing incredible things i also have to throw in jay lethal alex shelley chris saban uh, all those guys were having incredible matches in the X division, but when AJ and Joe wrestled each other, it was always five star. I absolutely love their matches. There you go. Uh, that's that's a, that's a home run pick right there. No doubt about it. Lauren Eason. He says, what was it like working on the MTV show made? <laughs> this kid, uh, decided to try out for wrestling at his high school and he wasn't very good. <laughs> so I was trying to teach him pointers. And you know what? I have to respect him. He went out for the team and he followed through. So it was a fun show to be on. You know, it was just uh, to get a little bit of exposure. And, uh, you know, meeting this kid was really cool. He, he, you know, he was actually not very good at wrestling. It was his first year and uh, he wanted to learn from the best. 
and you learn from the Olympic hero. And you know what? It didn't help him any. <laughs> yeah, not even you could make him could make him. Not better. even me, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, you tried. How? What was it like, just in general, working with MTV as a as a? Oh, they they got their shit together, man. They, okay. they they had everything set up, and they you know they they would tell you what. Honestly, it's not even a reality show. It's basically scripted. They tell you what to say. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much run it and say, hey, this is a kid. He's going to try for wrestling. You're going to answer him with this answer. And, you know, so it was like, holy shit, you know, and then you find out, you know, when you do these other reality shows, you find out that none of them are, are real. Real. There's no straight. real in the reality of it. Yeah, yeah, I remember, you know, what? I love doing Duck Dynasty and I love those guys. They yeah. were awesome. But they were like, stop. OK, Kurt, say this. And uh, Willie, you say this. OK, uh, you know, shoot uh, action. And yeah. we do it and they say, stop. Okay. Cut. Okay. Now, Kurt, you say this, Willie, you say that it was like, wow, man, this, this is all scripted. Everything, you know, they come up with an idea and then they write out a script and what everybody's going to say, and then you do it. You so, can't get away uh, from writers in your career. Can you only in TNA? Oh, no, no, yeah. man. It's just like pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. You, know? you, you think it's off the cup, but it's actually scripted. Oh, that's disappointing. There you go. Uh, so for all you reality junkies, it's all bullshit. It's all scripted. <laughs> it's not bullshit. They come oh. up with some great stuff. Yeah. yeah, the writers do. There you go. <laughs> uh, two count Kyle. Uh, and this is going to be interesting. Hey, Kurt, hate to be that guy with the dirt, but what are your thoughts on CM Punk's behaviors at the all out media scrum? Not talking about the altercations and suspensions after, but the behavior beside Tony Khan at a media conference and how would Vince react to this? If there were one of the guys, uh, doing this in the WWE. Oh, Vince would have lost his shit. Um, you know, I don't know CM Punk enough to know the kind of person he is. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm going to be willing to just say, you know, he is a good guy. Uh, I understand why he was upset, but what he did at that press conference was inexcusable. I mean, uh, you know, saying the things he said and, I, I, you know, it, it, it's tough because I understand why he was upset. You know, I think, was it hangman that said something? Yeah. 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 And, and you know what? I, I do understand why he was upset, but, uh, what, the way he acted during the press conference, I don't think was very yeah. professional. not the time or the place. And, no. uh, you know, it's Meltzer's coming out now saying it looks like they're looking into, uh, buying out his contract. So, uh, oh, we'll see how well, that goes. Uh, I heard he was going to sue AEW. Yeah, it's probably, uh, who knows? Uh, who already knows? sued WWE, so yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, uh, we'll move on from there because all of it is speculation until something happens. But, uh, Drew Landry says, where does the milk truck soaking rank in all your, in your all time moments? Kurt, I think you just said that was one of yep. your favorite, right? Of all time. Number one. That's my number one moment in WWE or anywhere, any wrestling promotion I've been a part of. Uh, the milk truck incident was the coolest thing in the world. I was so grateful that Brian Gewartz came up with that idea. He copied Stone Cold uh, beer truck incident, and it was excellent. I really loved it. And dowsing down Stone Cold Steve Austin and Stephanie with milk was the coolest thing in the world. I mean, I had the whole alliance in that ring, and I, you know, I'm spraying them down with milk. It's actually uh, food colored white water. <laughs> That's okay. what it was. They put Thank food God. coloring in the water. Uh, but, uh, the, the milk jugs and cartons were real, but, uh, that that's another story about the airplane ride that night. <laughs> yeah. You, I remember you've told it before how bad you stunk yeah, uh, because of the sour milk. So that's yeah, they awful. were in my shoes. <laughs> so that's his, that's your number one all-time favorite entertainment moment in wrestling. 
is uh is that deal there brad stanton and you talked about this earlier too he says i know you prefer no gimmick matches uh but if you had to pick one which is your favorite uh you know i did one with aj last man standing we didn't use any gimmicks or not a lot of gimmicks um that was cool because you know it's pretty simple you know you you knock the guy down if he if he stays down for 10 seconds the match is over sure it's very simple to explain to the audience it's a very simple match to do and uh it, it, it keeps the wrestling it keeps the wrestling in wrestling so it's not a bunch of weapons kendo sticks and ladders and chairs and tables uh it was it was a pretty clean match and i was really happy with it all right, uh, we'll keep going here. Matt M says, Angle, do you have memories of working Jeff Hardy in 2010? It was a 30-minute time limit draw at No Surrender pay-per-view, followed by a double pin draw at Impact Tapings the next night. Fantastic underrated matches. Do you remember working with Jeff oh, at that point? Oh, yeah, I loved working with Jeff. We had a couple of draws, and uh, it continued on. I think he ended up beating me eventually, but... Jeff was great. He was a high flyer. I was a ground wrestler and we had great chemistry together. I think Jeff is one of the best high flyers in the business. I mean, it, you know, oh, but yeah. the stuff he can do at his size is incredible. And, uh, you know, the thing is that what worries me about Jeff is his health from here on in, you know, in the future, because when he, when I was in TNA and this was like eight, nine years ago, his back was shot. Yeah. And, uh, he kept doing all those stunts and everything he does, the, 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 the twist thing he does off the top of the rope um, uh, and, and lands on the guy on, on his back. Uh, yeah, he's done a lot man. of abuse yeah. to his back. And uh, I'm just really worried about uh, what is um, light, you know, his uh, quality of life is going to yeah. be. Yeah, That's what makes me a little nervous. All right. Uh, we are going to do four more questions and then wrap up this one. Guys, we'll save the rest of your questions. Like I said, for another, we're going to do another one this year. There's no doubt about it. I'm having way too much fun. Justin Bracken, when you were going nonstop, either with WWE or TNA, what did the after show dinner usually consist of? Oh, this is a food one. At that point, I'm guessing it wasn't water and chicken snacks. No, it wasn't. You know what? My, my, uh, it was like a tradition for me. Um, and I used to hang out with Christian quite a bit and edge. And, uh, after our matches, we would go to IHOP and get pancakes, Oh, egg whites and pancakes. We always had to get pancakes. They were awesome, especially at IHOP. I absolutely loved them. That was my aftermatch meal every night. And, uh, you know, back then I didn't have to diet. I still looked pretty good. Uh, oh, I didn't have man. to worry about carbs Suck. and fat. Uh, it was great to be a wrestler back in your, you know, early thirties and your, 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 um, your, uh, what he called is, uh, up metabolism's up. just Metabolism, going crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's going. So, uh, now I can't do that shit anymore. I wish I could. <laughs> So what are you loading them up with butter and syrup or was that your go-to for your pancakes? I, I didn't use butter cause I want the added fat, even though it really didn't matter. I mean, I was eating pancakes with syrup anyway. It was all right. No butter a disaster, but yeah, I'd keep the butter away just to keep my calories a little lower. Have you ever heard of peanut butter on pancakes, man? Oh, I love it. I do it here at oh. home on my cheat day. I, oh, uh, when I, on man. Saturdays, I have pancakes with peanut butter on. I learned that from the rock. Okay. His videos, uh, you know, he has a, cheat uh, sunday i guess cheat day sunday and then he has like fuck it wednesdays where he oh cheats. there you go yeah. one meal he only does one meal both days 
When I was a kid, we used to get those, and this tells me a lot about my childhood obesity problems, um, Aunt Jemima waffles that you just pop in the toaster and then pull them some bitches right out nice and warm and They're throw peanut butter and sir, peanut butter and syrup. Oh my God. It's like dessert yeah. for breakfast. Oh yeah. Aunt yeah. Jemima waffles are the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's get these uh, last three questions in. Brendan uh, Golfield says, Kurt, what's the biggest piece of advice you hear that you don't necessarily agree with? You know what? I would say finish the match at all cost, even if you're hurt. I don't believe in that because if you wrestle and you get injured badly and you finish the match and let's say you have surgery afterward and the fans won't understand why you're having surgery because they saw you wrestle the match and you finished it. Then they find out that you actually did get hurt and you still fin the finish the match. So therefore they think wrestling's fake. And, you know, we all know it's a predetermined winner, but the move set is very real. And when injuries occur in athletics all the time. Yeah. And so if a wrestler gets injured uh, and, and this, the matches stop, it wouldn't be unusual. I think that, you know, it brings realism to wrestling, to pro wrestling. So I think that, you know, finish the match at all costs. That's bullshit. I think, you know, because it happens all the time in athletics. Somebody gets injured, the game stops. That's, and, and that's you know, exactly good. Field. Yeah. So I think that, that that that's something. And you know what? It builds more drama because the fans go, holy shit, he got injured. This is real. And so the fans are actually get more into it. So, you know, they get more concerned about the person and the, the injury they have. So I think finish the match at all costs is a bunch of bullshit. I think that the, you know, if you get injured and it's, it's pretty bad where you can't continue and you still go, you're crazy. I mean, I, I really think the business needs to change about that. And, and that Especially goes back. Questions. Yeah. That goes back to what happened Wednesday. I was just telling you, they stopped it and, and you know what? They had to figure it out on the fly, but he had a concussion and they did the right thing. So there you go. Well, I had a concussion once and I finished the match. Yeah. That was a different <laughs> period of time. You know, Chris Nowitzki. Oh, it can't happen now. Yeah. No. Yeah. Chris Nowitzki. Uh, I actually would, uh, went backstage for 15 yeah. minutes. No, and I remember. Brought me back out, which is crazy. I mean, you talk about a, a lawsuit waiting to happen, but you know, I would have never seen the WWE. I'm not like that. It, uh, you know, I, I didn't blame them for the injury I had. Yeah. Kristen Whiskey's done a lot of good work in that space and others have as well with concussions and man, we've just learned so oh, much they open people's eyes. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's, uh, it's good. Dirt sheet says, what would it take for one last wrestling tour for Kurt angle or one last match? <laughs> Look at him. He's if you're not watching on video, money, he's showing money, the money, money fingers. Money. <laughs> there you go. It's the only way I'll even consider and come back. It's going to have to be a substantial amount of money too. Uh, I do remember um, I did uh, uh, Tony Khan, uh, you know, wanted me to come in and wrestle for him. This was like four years. This is when ago. they first started. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, I, I said uh, <laughs> for 10 matches, I want 3 million. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, I can hear his wife yelling in the background. That. He ain't coming back. She, well, what about for three million? Three hundred grand a match. What about three million, Giovanna? Three million now? She can't she, hear me, Kurt. Oh, he, she said he's saying, "What about three million, Giovanna? Would you let me wrestle for one match? Three million three for million, one match? You could throw me in there. <laughs> oh, she'll jump in too. She'll, she'll tap out for me. Oh wow, there you go. I'm I'm all in on that. Tell her we're doing final question and we'll wrap the show up. What are your thoughts on Josh Alexander and the comparisons to yourself? Josh reminds me of myself, and I love that he wears the headgear and the wrestling singlet and the whole ball of wax. Yeah. That guy is really technical. I love yep. his work. He does remind me of myself, and uh, I'm a big fan of his. 
And you know what? We're actually going to do an episode with him coming up soon. That's where I was headed, buddy. We're going to be talking with him in two weeks. He's going to be you know a guest here. I just here. did an ad-free shows uh, edition where we talked about his match at Starcast. Yep, yep. You know what? He was awesome, but you know what? The other one, Fatu. Fatu, yeah. What the, the shit he does? In Incredible! I Holy know. Holy shit! Like he's a big dude. He's, he's real awesome. big. You know, he's yeah. Samoan and. Uh, those guys just move incredibly well for their size. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and by the way, we're, we're here. For the rest of those that have questions, we're going to get to those on the next Ask Kurt. I promise you that. But he's right. They just uh, recorded a, a show, uh, Kurt did. It's a bonus show on ad-free shows coming out later this month where he breaks down Fatu versus Josh Alexander from Ric Flair's last match. You don't want to miss it because, Kurt, I heard you do a phenomenal job really getting technical and breaking that, that down. And so it check fun. it out. But yeah, check it out. Next week, though, we're going to be talking about when Kurt returns to the ring to the w- for the WWE for the first time in 11 years to become an honorary member of the Shield when Roman Reigns comes down with the mumps. Yes, that's right. He had the mumps. What did Kurt think of coming back for the show? Was he ready for it? And then we're going to talk about that match itself. Kurt, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose. That's right. We know him as John Moxley now versus Kane, Braun Strowman, The Miz, Cesaro, and Sheamus. And a five-on-three handicap tables, ladders, and chairs match. Oh, my. Kurt, I can't wait for that one, dude. Oh, wait till you see that. Are they going to show some of that? Oh, we'll get some clips, buddy. Uh, I hope so. At the beginning, when I was like a fanboy up in the crowd, I was behind uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and I had this big smile on my face. It looked so cheesy. I was just so excited to be part of the show. I was like, holy shit. That's a big deal. You were wearing the black suit and everything. Yeah, yeah. They They gave me all the gear. It was awesome. Well, listen, speaking of adfreeshows.com, you can go over there now. We recently did, Conrad sat down with Dave Milliken to review the WCW world title. So for all you belt nerds, I know I'm one of them. You can see if you watch the video, I got a few behind me. They do an episode of Title Chase where they really get into the nuts and bolts of that belt and the design, and it is a can't miss. Also, Eric Bischoff recently speaks with Raven after a recent 83 Weeks episode where they covered their past together. And then tonight uh, on uh, on October 24th, as this drops, Tony Schiavone is live doing a Q&A. We also have a new series coming out called The Book, and the first guest on that is David Manning with Conrad. They're going to cover World Class in January of 1982. And then, here we go, Jake Roberts watches Halloween Havoc 1992 on October 25th. That's a pretty cool experience. He's going to sit and watch his match from Halloween Havoc where they're ad-free shows members and take questions for our top guys. All right now, adfreeshows.com. And you can get all these shows early and ad-free for $9. Kurt, they can check us out on Twitter at, they can find you at RealKurtAngle on Twitter, Instagram at TheAnglePod, at TheRealKurtAngle. I'm telling you, I love following Kurt there. You can really keep up with him, what's going on. You can follow me if you'd like, at PaulieBewell, P-A-U-L-Y-Bewell, and then the show at TheAnglePod. And find us on YouTube. It's youtube.com forward slash the angle pod. And this is where you get to see our beautiful faces. Well, not mine, but Kurt's and, uh, but Kurt, before we get out of here. Oh, well, thanks Kurt. I I appreciate that. Before we get out of here, we got to tell them about those glorious, those wonderful, those delicious chicken snacks from physicallyfit.com. I'm going to show them every week because they're so good. Chicken snacks and snack smart, crispy protein bites. One's chicken protein. One's organic plant protein. There are 11 different flavors. Uh, cinnamon swirl, pizza flavor, uh, sriracha, kung po, 
There are a lot of great flavors. You're going to absolutely love them. Go to physicallyfit.com to order yours. And if you use AnglePod as the code, you'll get 20% off your first order. And if you become a lifetime member, it's on the website. You can sign up. You get 20% off for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. These are incredible. You're going to ac- absolutely love them. Shout out to James Sorensen, who just brought a shit ton of every flavor of those chicken snacks and DM me to tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> and he said, they're all delicious, dude. He can't make up his mind which one he likes the best. So check the him out there. You can't stop eating them. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. I mean, can you eat too many chicken snacks? Well, you know, is that a, is, I don't uh, know. I don't know if there, if, if there's, if that's a, a thing, a, a liability a, or not. <laughs> is there a limit? I mean, will you get fat from eating them? You eat so many. I doubt it. I don't know. I don't uh, think so. I think you just build muscle. Oh, you just get stronger. You just become more Herculean. All right. Finally, KurtAnglebrand.com, Kurt. Tell them what they can find over there beside a big picture of your face on the homepage. <laughs> <laughs> we have cowboy hats, milk cartons, T-shirts. We have birthday cards, autographed photos, uh, cameo voice messages Whoa. on KurtAnglebrand.com. Order whatever you want, and I'll send it right to you. Uh, doesn't get any better than that. Again, you know, I love those cameo videos. Uh, nothing like just hearing from your you Olympic see me hero. Do them. <laughs> I have, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And, uh, he, he appreciates your support. We appreciate your support. Yes, and, uh, again, continue to uh, follow us and, and put it, if you're enjoying the show, put it out there on social media. If you're not, don't say a word. We only want to hear the positive feedback. Um, half kidding, <laughs> but, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you listening. We'll see you again right here next week on behalf of Kurt angle. This is Paul Bromwell. We'll see you right here next week on the Kurt angle show. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.